Hello, everybody. Welcome to... Is it our specialist one yet? I think it is. Our most special women's football podcast that we've done, barring exclusive interviews. <laughs> mm. Because, well, I'll start with, I'm Ian Burns. That's Connor. How are you and where are you? <laughs> Hello. I'm very, very well. Quite tired, but well. And I'm in the best city in the world, Burnsy Monroe. <laughs> yes, you are. I've, I've said this a million times to you. I've got three best cities of the world, and that is one of them. Berlin's another. And Porto. Of course, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Slightly more rogue one, but I just like it. Um, yeah, because we have had a women's Champions League quarterfinal at the Olympico with Roma playing against one of, if not the best team in the world. Um, and there was... 39,454 fans there. That many people decided, yes, I'm going to pay some money to go and you know, travel to the Olympico and go and watch the women's team because I think it's worth my time. You know, when you really boil it down, that's essentially what it is. Yeah. People have said, this is worth my time. I think this is a good enough occasion and interesting enough. And, you know, football fans can be snobby about standards. They've decided the standard is high enough for them to go and watch it. Um... And that's a bit mad. I mean, what was it like as you... Obviously, you, you get into stadiums very early, so you kind of got to see it from almost no one up till the point. What was it... How early did it get, like, busy? This is what I wanted to, to start with, because... Oh, that sounds like we planned that off there, and we actually didn't. It does, yeah. <laughs> Usually, if... So, I got there when the gates opened at 7 o'clock. That's when we got the email to say, this is when you can get in. This is when you can get your accreditation, blah, 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 blah. Um, although with Roma, the email you did, so anyway, 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 the gates opened at seven o'clock, so I was there for seven o'clock, and seven o'clock on the dot, I was at the gates of the Olympico, and I had had to walk past people in queues and other people joining queues because it was busy from... I'd assume half past six for a nine o'clock game. And there were still people who were coming in after kickoff and stuff like that. So not everybody was there. But of the 39,454 people, I'd say probably 36,000 of them were there for a while. Like You mentioned the word occasion and that's completely right because people didn't just spend the duration of a football match at the Olympico. They spent four hours at the Olympico, three and a half hours at the Olympico last night. And it was genuinely moving. Like, it left me speechless a couple of times. Like, before the match, I was just pottering about. I was watching the warm-ups. And then I went down to... There's a bit which is like halfway down the stand and it feels way closer to the pitch than the press box does. So I just walked down to that and it's just like um, basically a, a posh entrance and it's where the, the press come through before climbing up to the to the back of the stand. And I just stood there for a while, just kind of half watching the warm-ups, half watching everything around me. And I think my jaw was probably close to the floor. I just couldn't believe what I was watching. And there were a few times when when the atmosphere was, was peaking, you know, because obviously it wasn't 
at 100% throughout the whole night because it never works like that. But but during the anthem at the start, there were a few times where, where Roma fans got encouraged and, and were whistling the Barcelona players to, to try and get them to lose the ball. They were just mercilessly <laughs> keeping. But, yeah, when, when it got to those levels, I, I couldn't help but just, like, say aloud, fucking hell, and and look at everybody around me and I wasn't the only one going through that so I've been to the to the Tre Fontana once this season I've seen Roma play quite a lot over the last two years I've never seen a press box like that last <laughs> night because it, it's important to say as well this wasn't just just in inverted commas the public that were interested last night the media were interested the press box was like a Serie A men's game and like a, a, a good one. I'm not talking about it for Frozenoni Palma from a couple of years ago. Everybody was interested and everybody bought into it. Like I was on my feet when Roma had chances. I was almost a fan and there were at least... 40 others in the press box as well who were who were living it all and what I thought was really nice was we'll get into why this was merited I'm sure but at the end of the game half of the press box myself included literally just stood up and applauded as did the whole Olympico like everybody was impressed by what they saw from from the girls on the pitch and also I think it was an appreciation of what the people in attendance had done but it, it was remarkable it's such an incredible occasion. So, I mean, even so, obviously, I was watching it on uh, Zone's YouTube. Which, incidentally, you can watch the second leg for free on that and everything else that's in that tournament. Um, and one thing that was slightly a shame was that you know, like with so for, for people in the UK, whatever BT Sport, when they have like home Roma men's games, they tend to not speak much during the anthem. Just, just because it's you know they, they've got it on nearly every week, they they kind of know the score. I'd not convinced the zone team that I actually knew that that was going to happen because they they were kind of <laughs> talking over a lot of it, and I was like trying to hear it. But um, the main bit did get kind of just about quiet for. Um, but one thing I kind of noticed from last night, which is quite heartwarming, it's obviously over on um, at Serie Total our Twitter account. You can see you took a video of. The full anthem, um, and that tweet and a couple of those got a lot of attention. And barring like one, maybe two, I feel like there's a lot less shitty replies than you'd <laughs> necessarily expect there to be. Like, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's just maybe that we managed to surround ourselves with the right people or whatever. But you know, th- those those tweets have been seen by thousands of people, and I can only off the top of my head think of one thing being a bit nasty and it wasn't even necessarily specifically about being nasty about women's football that was it the one just, that was about seems... me yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, no I was thinking of a different one um, okay I can think of two nasty people okay. out of there's loads of replies and quote tweets and stuff on, on these tweets and it's just loads of people going wow that's amazing and you know people who aren't Roma fans going wow that's amazing people who aren't interested in women's football going wow that's amazing and I think you know the, the hope has got to be now that you know, thirty-nine thousand people went to this game. How many go to their next 
Shout out for me in that game. Obviously, it can't be those figures because they're going to be back at the Trophons, aren't they? But you, like, there has to be some sort of rollover from <laughs> from that. Even if it, you know, if it's only a few hundred, it matters. It just it gradually gets the ball. Right. It's like a massive kick up the ass for the whole thing. Basically, it's amazing. The thing about Roma though is, they do they have room for much growth well, because they sell the Trefontana out. <laughs> you know, this is it's not like Roma <laughs> to get nobody in. Roma sell out the stadium that they play in. Roma's women's fans are amazing. They are the best fans in in women's football in Italy by a distance as well. Now Juventus and Inter fans are also quite good and quite vocal, but Roma's Roma. It's so different to anything else. Around it, and there was actually a moment before the game. I think it was after the anthem, but I'm not 100%. No, it was when the attendances, the, the attendance figures came through. Um, so I don't know who first got hold of them, but they started making their way around the, the press box. And the guy next to me, who I'd struck up a bit of a, a friendship with on the night from way before kickoff, because we, he had gotten a bit lost in the same way that I gotten a bit lost trying to navigate my way around the massive press box there. Um, and then he pulled up beside me. The, he told me the attendance. And I just assumed I'd misheard him because I was like, wait, how many? Hmm. And he said it again and I was writing it down. And then I said it back to him and he goes, yeah. I was like, but that's amazing. And his response was just, yeah, yeah, Roma. It's Roma. What, what do you expect? And he's he's right because that's what they are at the moment. Yeah. That's what the whole club is. The 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 way everybody is bought into everything that the club's doing across both men's and female teams. But I think we need to just focus on the girls' side of it because they're incredible. The job that. Alessandro Spugna has done as coach is I didn't expect this you know this this is a guy who came from Empoli having spent most of his career working in in underage football did a really good job with Empoli and then takes Roma who although they had won the the Coppa Italia I think they finished fourth that season and in Spugna's first year, they were just... It wasn't a discussion. Roma were the second best team in the league. At the beginning of the season, they, they had their teething problems and, and Sassuolo were better than them. Was it Milan as well that were, were above them? But by the end of the season, there's no arguments to be made that, that Roma were the best of the rest after Juventus. And now this year, his second year, they look streets ahead of everybody. And it's... The, the whole thing, we've... We know Camilla, obviously, who's who's involved with the the press, who's the press officer for the the women's team, and I think I speak for both of us in saying I've never met anybody like her in football. Just no. for how she is, she's remarkably good at her job, and when you're dealing with people at clubs, often you find that most of them aren't very good at their job or aren't very accommodating. Camilla goes above and beyond for everybody, and, and that just sums up the way Roma women are as, as a club. You can sum it up with Camilla quite well by saying that even if she can't help you in the instant that you've asked, she doesn't ignore you, right. <laughs> which is a rare thing. It's very rare to not be ignored by football clubs. Um, but she, you know, 
I don't know anyone else who's talked to her apart from us two, but assuming that she does the same thing for everyone, she doesn't ignore you. She's uh, and one of them innately helpful people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as well, it, it, but, with Camilla, she'll chase things up instead of you having to. Do you know what I mean? It, it, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. works a different way with her. And yeah. But it's because it's of how good she is and symptomatically lots of people at the club that you know we, we've interviewed a couple of Roman players and have had good levels of access and stuff and then that'll be the same for like lots of people within Italy as well and it's it's that openness that you know you know last night seeing that many people there and stuff in a less direct way obviously I felt a part of it in mm. the sense because we've been doing this and we've dealt directly with the club and stuff and there's lots of people like us you know much more so within Italy obviously but there's lots of people doing that and it's all of that it's all of that body of work that leads to enough people wanting to go to the stadium basically but like you say it, it, it boils down to those players are really good right I know now. exactly what you mean by feeling <laughs> part of it because I did mm. too there was a moment before the game where I was looking around and I was thinking I was at Sassuolo the other day Sassuolo the Enzo Ricci against Sampdoria and Sassuolo's crowds are good for Serie A Feminina here and then I'm just staring in front of 40,000 people and I'm thinking oh this is a bit different isn't it but yeah we get on to the on to the football I was thinking Wait, probably one pop- more thing okay go <laughs> Only, I'm just thinking this is getting ahead of yourselves but, but when you <laughs> say about the Trey Fontano being like, obviously sold out a lot and the fact that they just did that with the Olympico there is a discussion there isn't there Stadium wise, I, I I don't think there's a world where the women can move to the Olympico because no. then you've got three teams fighting over a stadium every weekend. That's just not going to happen. As and well as other rugby, rugby there. Yeah. Um, but then, if, you know, and this game doesn't mean that, oh, if they were to go to the Olympico for their next league game, they're going to get 40,000. That's not how it works. But, you know, there is clearly a movement in the right direction and you have to kind of be careful not to cap it. You know, you, you want you want a full stadium, or an almost full stadium all the time. You don't want to suddenly put them somewhere that's a twenty thousand stadium, and they're only getting eight sort of thing. But I don't know. That, I, I, obviously, I don't have the solution. But I feel like there there is that's probably something running through the minds of the club possibly at this point. Yeah, it's it's something that I think like Bayern spring to mind immediately. I think their women's team share with the under twenty threes, don't they? I think that's quite a common thing in English football as well. I think you do need specific stadiums for women's football or for women's football to share with the 23s. For now, while it's still growing, we, we don't know how big the attendances are going to get in, in 20 years. They might be sharing first-team men's stadiums by then. But yeah, it is a difficult one to, to find the balance with because... You think, for example, Parma. Parma play at the Tardini, which is an excellent idea. It's an excellent thing to do, just in terms of logistics, because the Tardini is in the city. Like, it's there. And the training ground very much isn't. It's in Colecchio. It's a fair bit out of the city, particularly for a city as small as Parma. It's it's a village in the province, basically. Um, And there were talks that at the beginning of the season they were either going to play in Colecchio or at the Tardini and the fact that they play at the Tardini is amazing because it means people can go but you go to the Tardini for a women's game and there's 800 people 
in a stadium that's built for I think it's 23,000 21,000 it's odd it is strange because you're, you're just in a little small section behind the dugouts and everything else is just these big empty seats so there is a discussion to be had I don't really know what the right thing is I think in some cases one answer is correct and in others the opposite is correct I think it's correct for Parma to be playing at the Tardini because of all the things I've just said and the fact that they're trying to get eyes on what is a new I don't like the word but a new product for Mm. the club a new asset you've got to to create the opportunity as well haven't you yeah like you've got to while it's sad that there's not that many people there you know the scope is there like there there is room for them in in a gradual last night's the evidence last night's the evidence build it and they'll come right make Mm. make it good and you'll get the fans in the door while this will probably never happen Roma men might have their own stadium in a few years time Mm. that's something that can possibly happen although as as we can see with San Siro that you know there's never any point banking on that happening in Italy Um, but it's another avenue that could go down if they've got their own stadium away from Lazio then the men and the women could share that over a weekend so that would be nice football now I'm just (laughs) we've not said the score it was 1-0 to Barcelona by the way (laughs) which feels which feels a bit like a win that's a 4-0 win (laughs) I I said to you at half time uh, before the game and I meant it I said 3-0 or less at half time is like uh, you know take that which sounds really defeatist now, but like, that's how good Barcelona are. It, it shouldn't have... Well, this, this is what's so... I, I think I tweeted this last night. Cause I, I was actually sort of left almost jaw-dropped at the end because I was sat there thinking, this should probably have been one all. Yeah, yeah, least. yeah. yeah. <laughs> with, with the chances. But like Barcelona in the last half an hour, possibly slightly more, I can't think of a much of a chance they had. No, the game switched. They, yeah, Roma looked they, like Barcelona. They should have bagged a couple more um, at the start of the second half because uh, Cheza made some incredible oh, saves. God. She was she was daft, <laughs> quite simply daft. But after that, it was it was all it was basically all Roma, and not just having the ball, but chances. Chachinsi had a couple of fantastic chances. Um, he should have Jose scored. Alves had a great chance. She should have um, scored. Juliano could have not that it was a great chance, but could have scored if mm-hmm. not for an incredible save from Panos. Juliano so, too. Yeah, so like we, there was a lot more times in this game where I was like head in hands for a reason of oh god they should have scored rather than oh god it's getting into a rout or anything like that which is an insane achievement. In the second half, it's important to say that because in the first Barcelona could have had a lot like they weren't creating too many clear chances but they had chances um, even in the first half, but. I think we could split the game up into two segments, an hour and then a half an hour. And Barcelona bossed it for an hour. Roma were under it. Roma were clearly scared. Like, and I think it was probably a combination of being scared of the quality that they were up against. Because I'm of the opinion that Barcelona are the best team in the world. I know they, they got beaten in the Champions League final last year, but they'd won it the year before. And I don't think there's that much between the likes of Barcelona and Lyon at the very top of the game. But there was an element of fear because every time Roma got the ball, I think within five seconds, Barcelona were winning it back because they were just doing that aggressive, relentless, merciless pressing and Roma couldn't cope with it because Roma were also trying to suppress these nerves that had taken over them with 
playing in front of 40,000 people for the first time ever. Um, there's some brushing just outside the window. I'm not sure. I was going to, it sounds like there's somebody else in the call breathing. Okay, I was almost gonna, making sure I was muted. I was like, is that me breathing? I'm going to go close the window then. But there, there was an element of a lot of things coming together to, to make Roma nervous, which is understandable. And yeah, I think absolutely. the nerves just went on for a little bit longer than I would have hoped they would. But once mm. they settled, I mean, they really settled because Roma then were playing with, with a proper swagger, with, with proper confidence such self-belief and by the end I wrote this in in my report as well and I've I've still to decide what angles to go with for for the post-match piece because I'm still trying to process everything that happened so that might even not be up until Thursday because I I need to get my thoughts together and calm down a bit still Um, (laughs) but Roma did something that I would imagine Nobody else has done this season, with the exception of maybe Real Madrid for a few minutes. But Roma had Barcelona's backs against the wall for half an hour. Roma had Barcelona worried. They took off their front three. And you could probably interpret that as them being confident of getting over the line with a win. It wasn't that. It it was not that. You feel things when you're in a stadium and you felt the momentum shift. You felt that Barcelona were reacting out of necessity they weren't trying to proactively give their players a rest. They were trying to get some control back of the game and they weren't able to because Roma were just on it. Vicky Lozada's introduction helped. She um, was so Benedetto, good when she came on. It was a joke, wasn't it? Benedetto yeah. Leona as well. Now, mm. Leona came on for Cetorini, who had been Roma's most dangerous player before that, just with her pace. And when she came off, I did think, oh, it's a pity because she's been their outlet. But she's clearly killed herself trying yeah, to Yeah, she does, she does that a lot in these sorts of games. And then Leona really came in and was just like... 90 minutes. No, exactly. And bear in mind, the Olympico pitch is massive compared to yeah. anything in Serie A Feminile as well. And then Leona comes in and was an upgrade. And that's not a slight <laughs> on Cetorini because most of her job had to be defensive. But by the time Leona came on, thanks to Cetorini and the rest, the, the momentum had shifted. So Leona was just able to to do what she does, which is terrorise defenders. And if you see space, get into it. She had a couple of chances. She probably should have scored the second one. And it was it was unbelievable watching Roma. I don't think it would be right to spend any longer talking about Roma without mentioning Camelia Siazza because <laughs> I can't remember a better goalkeeping performance. Um, I think... Thibaut Courtois in the men's Champions League final against Liverpool in what year was that? Twenty twenty. Uh, was it the last one? The the most recent one. Twenty twenty two. Yeah. That is up there. There was the Tim Howard in the men's World Cup of twenty fourteen or whatever against Belgium, wasn't it? That was remarkable. The this is in that category. The Hagans are okay, for, I don't know what that is, but yeah. Oh, that was a bad one. <laughs> This is up there, isn't it? Because yeah. there were saves in the first half that not necessarily you'd expect her to make all of them, but none of them were leaving you thinking, well, how has she done that? Wow, that's amazing. There were an increased quality of saves in the second half 
I think there were probably five in quick succession that were good and three that were remarkably good. Like, there's there's one that's going into the bottom corner and she just manages to get back and, and claw it away. And then she had a little battle with, with a shot for, I, I don't know how long it was. But the, the best one for me was when there's a header from about six, seven yards down into the ground and it's bulleted as well. And it bounces back. And she manages to react to it going up over her head and tips it over the court. She was unbelievable. And then she comes through the mixed zone after. And it's just quite a, a stark reminder of she's not even big. Like, no, she's genuinely a little goalkeeper. I think she's shorter <laughs> than me. I'm, I'm not I'm tall. I'm stopping myself from making like a cruel joke. Well, you you're, 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 you're not. You're not like actually a short man or anything. Like that. I think I'm just bang average, right? Yeah, yeah, you're average height. But she's she's not a tall woman. She seems like an average height woman, and it just <laughs> makes those saves all the more incredible. Like, look, we know Camilla Ciazar is an excellent goalkeeper. I've seen her win two penalty shootouts for Roma in the flesh, the the Coppa Italia 2021, the Super Coppa this well November 2022. She's brilliant. Last night was on another level. She, the, the that particularly that header you were talking about that was the one where I was like Jesus Christ mm. like that that simply was a goal like that that should have been a goal. Um, it's always nice with these sorts of games when when a goalkeeper puts in a display like that as well. It's always nice that the goal that did go in was it was just a good goal. Like there, there, there was no that, that, that she won't be thinking to herself. Oh, I probably should have done better with the goal though because that, that's how footballers think. Um, she won't, because, but I think Roma will. Because they switched off, the only oh, yeah, they yeah, switched yeah. off. That was that. That, it, that was the only, probably the only element of the whole night, apart apart from like not taking those chances at the end. But you know, they're, they're not going to win over two legs. It's it's not the end of the world. Um, but it was a shame the the manner of the goal. Mm. In the number one, there could have very possibly been a free kick to stop it all from happening anyway. Was it one? Because I've not seen it back. So. I've not seen a close-up, but I saw the the replay of the standard camera, okay. and like they definitely tangle Jachinsky and I can't remember which defender it was. Um, and what kind of popped into my head is that a bit earlier in the game, Jachinsky got penalised for a similar thing. Mm. She, it was a foul. She sort of just little little pull on the shoulder when trying to hold the ball up, sort of thing. Um, so I think that might be why she was so incensed. I think as far as she was concerned, it was the same thing she got did for only a few minutes earlier. Um, and then they all thought it had gone out on the side and it didn't. Um, I think Greggie was right there and she stopped yeah. and three or four of them in the midfield stopped. Yeah, Andressa and, as well. It was And, and Greggie and Andressa are in the positions where the ball then yeah. went through. And like there, there was a little bit more play before the goal actually happened. Like It's, it's not quite a slam dunk because like, they stopped and a player got played through on goal, sort of thing. It felt like that, though. But it, it, it was very much part of the same phase of play, mm. um, which is a shame. But, you know, if if over the course of that whole night, with all that pressure and all those people and such a new experience, that that's the one mistake that collectively they've made. You know, I think you probably take that. But, you know, they'll, they'll learn from that. It's They don't even have to learn from it in the sense that that's, that's a basic thing that every you know, that's a... That's what you're taught when you're a kid is to not stop. But, but. I, I think you're right, but they, they will learn from it and they have to learn from it because 
when you play in Serie A, you can switch off. Well, not. You can have a couple of players switch off like that and not get punished. When you're playing against a team as obscenely good as this Barcelona side are, if you switch off for even half a second, if even two of the 11 switch off for half a second, done. They're going to score. They, they didn't switch off. <laughs> it's, it's as simple as that. They, as, as three, four, five Roman players stopped and put their arms in the air, three or four Barcelona players moved forwards with the ball and filled all of that space. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame. But if you'd offer me a 1-0 defeat with with missed chances <laughs> before the game, then I'd have absolutely taken that. And I think everyone probably would. Because, like, we, we, we were sort of joking to ourselves when the draw was made that it's going to be, like, 25-0 over the two legs and stuff like that, which obviously is stupid. But that's, that's not completely founded in nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. Barcelona are that good. Like if in your in your piece on total hype and Italian football, so their results since January: five one, four nil, five nil, four nil, seven nil, four nil, six nil, seven nil, three nil, three nil, three one, three nil, one nil, which is you know rubbish, and four nil. Those are domestic results. It's like that. While Roma win almost all their games, you know they've had quite a lot of narrow wins lately, and also. The standard is lower that they're playing in compared to um, Ligue Erfe. So, like, they're a stupid team. How many goals was it they conceded in the league? Was it four? Five. Five. In 22 <laughs> matches, and they've scored 98, isn't it? Yeah, so needless <laughs> to say, they've won all of all, all of their games. Um, like, this is a team that absolutely has capabilities to batter even the best team in Italy, because that's just the nature of where the development levels are. And you know maybe that will happen at Camp Nou. You know, so I think it, it will. I, I do yeah. think it will. And that that will be an even bigger crowd there as well. That will that will feel that'll well, be another huge occasion for the players. It's another thing we we were chatting about myself and the guy next to me because at the end he turns to me and he said that one nil is not bad, and I said it's not finished. Like because this was I think in the ninety first minute. I said it's not finished yet. One one is still possible. One one is still possible, and then Jacinti gets put through, and he leaned over and he was like, "You were right. That was that was silly of me." Type thing. <laughs> and then we started talking about how it's it's normal for for the problems, and we we said it. They were lucky in the first half, but really unlucky in the second. Bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. All the things that we've kind of chatted about here, and then he just repeated the number, the attendance again, <laughs> and I said, "And the camp knew there will be." And his response was, there will be fear. <laughs> what, what was it? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I've got, I've got fear even still now tonight. Um, but yeah, the, the camp now is going to be different because th- there could feasibly be, what does that hold? 99,000 of which. Yeah, is, so they, they, broke, they broke the record um, with 91,648. Okay. I think they broke um, their own record three times last year as well, didn't they? And they were all around yeah. the 90s. So this was against Wolfsburg um, back in April of last year. Um, and so that was a, that was semi-final. But, you know, th- th- there's going to be a pretty similar figure. Also because, and this is something again we didn't expect, the tie is not done. Yeah. Like it's it's 1-0. They you know, went 
when slash if Barcelona get that first goal at Camp Nou, that that's going to be there's going to be a bit of relief going around there that they've kind of got that buffer now because as Roma showed, they can still create chances even if you're not betting on it. Um, we probably ought to talk about Serie Femino quickly. <laughs> quickly before before we do, can I just talk about the, um, Di Guglielmo, Giuliano and another person at Roma who I'm not going to name were knocking about the mixed zone afterwards and the message was, was quite clearly that was difficult and what an occasion like there, there was a combination where you could see that they were disappointed to have lost because they realised they competed with Barcelona probably better than they had even expected to but they realised that the camp now is going to be even tougher but the, the above all message was that the, the distance between where Roma are and where Barcelona are is enormous but it's a little bit smaller than Roma had expected because Roma didn't expect it to be that good on the night not even then not even they expected it this is a club that's four years old and we, we can only say like hats off well done what an effort like you said still every chance the second leg goes to, to pot but They've had that night, and maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. Tell you what, they're on the they're the rest weekend team. Yeah. <laughs> so they've got a full week to only prepare for a smash and grab at camp. Now they get they're going to score in the first ten minutes, then they're going to bed in, and just accept what's coming to them. And then Lyon is going to score in the break. Yeah. Fernando Torres. <laughs> yeah, they'll win and go through, and then. Play Leon and it'll be forty-five nil. They did so well. <laughs> we, we need to stop with the the, the jokey them getting battered. Um, but yes, Serie Familia, We we've had the start of our pools, our Scudetto pool and the survival pool. Um, Inter and Como were the teams who didn't play, so we've got two sets of five. Obviously, they can't all play in a weekend, so there are rest teams. Hence why Roma aren't playing this coming weekend. Um, start with the title one. Roma, you know, coming into the Barcelona game, it was pretty spot on. They <laughs> beat Fiorentina five one, which, if you look back through their results, they, they've a lot of their wins recently have been quite narrow, by you know by their own standards. Lots of one goal, two goal wins, um, and then they come up against a very good Fiorentina team. <clears throat> Sorry, and um, you know while. Fiorentina did get a player sent off. That was right at the end, and it was already, um, I think it was either 4 0 or 5 0. I was done, yeah. It was, uh, it was five. Possibly 5 1, actually. It was 5 1. Um, so, like, they, they did the job against 11 players, basically. And do you, do you want to talk about that game, even though we just talked about Roma for ages? Not really. No. no. Um, Roma are brilliant. They smashed Fiorentina early in the season. They smashed teams every once in a while, and they smashed Fiorentina there. Yeah. They're on another level. Quickly mention Juve 2, Milan 0, because I know that there's one game that you specifically want to talk about, and it's not this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, to be honest, that, that Juve-Milan game, that could have gone a different way. Um, Piamonti missed a penalty. Bergamaschi hit the post at one point. Um, Juve were playing in the home kit. Uh, away kit, rather, at home. <laughs> um, although it is a bit weird with Milan, where it's 
when, when you think of all of their kits, it's not an easy one mm. to figure out what they should be wearing necessarily. Um, it was both teams in away kits, which looked odd, but fine. Um, Lyneth Berenstein is fantastic oh, and God, very much has a claim to be one of, if not the best signing that there was last summer. Um, there's lots of people that you could put in that category though. Maybe that's something that we'll do at the end of the season. I'm trying to think now. I think it is Berenstein, isn't it? I mean, there is Chichinsky as well, obviously. Um, who else is there? I don't know. Well, like, like I say, we'll never. Yeah, we'll Jacinti only went last summer. Yeah. We could do a special thing on that when all the, the football dries up, which it will. Um, all right, fine. I'll let you talk about it. So, Swallow 3, Sampdoria nil. This quite, like, to me, that's. We already pretty much knew it, but that's like, they're safe. <laughs> Job done yeah. now. You know, they'll, 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 they, they might well have a bit of a nice time in these next few games and prep for next season. I know. I know Parma are desperate to win the survival pool. They're they're desperate to finish top of that. I think Sassuolo are just better than them. I think um, their aims might need to be elsewhere for the minute. Yeah, but that, well, their result was a shock to lose four wins to Palma. Mm. Just doesn't make sense. But I might mention them quickly. But yes, yeah, Sassuolo just looked good. Sassuolo looked like last season's Sassuolo, and I, I think a combination of that is that they are a good team, and when they click, they really do click. Some of the results this year have been funny, but their position in the table is also misleading because when they played against Juventus Inter Roma, they, they looked really good, except for that one five nil, which was Roma being Roma. But for the most part, Sassuolo have looked actually decent against the bigger teams this season, showing that they are of a higher level than most of the season so far has, has shown them to be. But it all just clicked. Like we've seen Daniela Sabatino, another contender for signing of the season already, and she's only played like four games. Um, she's just in the right place to to finish easy chances. Although she she missed an, a chance that was probably as easy as the one that she scored. Lana Cleland scored for the first time in in what feels like months. Um, it might well be months, but she was excellent. Her first touch, by the way, was a back heeled volley in mid air that played a true ball down the left wing and at that moment they just thought well she's on it <laughs> I think it was the best game I've seen from her this season and they were just excellent like to a player Sassuolo were excellent I think you, you could have feasibly, feasibly put five Sassuolo players into the team of the week only Graham Playdrup got in but you could have had a few more I think they were just Absolutely smashed it. I think the the early goal helped. Like for for Rafael Jane to run through like that was a bit funny because she doesn't really move that quickly any other point in in the season. But for her to get the goal was big, and then Sabatino and Cleland scoring huge. But yes, as well looked good. But as good as they looked, Sam looked rotten, like genuinely rotten. Bonfantini. Yeah has fucked it. She's made a big mistake going there. First of all, she's got... It's only a loan, isn't it? She has got the exit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that's not a situation that she can fix herself. Um, you mentioned Palmer. Yeah, that 4-1 away at Palmiano is not great. The The last goal from Alice Corelli was absolutely ridiculous. God, yeah. um, I didn't notice this until now that i am obviously got the results here. She also got sent off straight away. I missed that as well. It, it's... This is just the, the Google thing, but it's it's just got a red card. I don't know if she maybe took a top off or whatever. 
and maybe got a second yellow because it was it's ninety plus five at the same and time as the goal. Yellows, yeah. So, <laughs> um, but you know, that the, would goal be was, the goal was that good. Yeah, you mean really, you don't get sent off when you're four one up, do you? Um, <laughs> seems a bit silly. Carried away with the quality of a, of a goal. Um, so yeah, in terms of your tabler. Um, Oh, can we do a quick, 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 quick mention for Alessia Capaletti, who I was kind of championing mm. last week. She's done her ACL, so she's probably going to be out for Christmas, until Christmas, which is a horrible pity. And it leaves Palmer without a first-choice goalkeeper, which probably makes them look over their shoulders a little bit more. Yeah, that definitely makes you look only in one direction rather than the one that they mm. want to. Um, Roma's still eight points clear with... How many games it is left? Is it seven they've all got to play now? Wow. Yeah, it's, 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 it's eight games now, isn't it? Isn't it? So, yeah. So, it's yeah, close so. now. <laughs> what, the end? Yeah, because they've, they've got more more points of a cushion than they have games left to play. Mm. You have to start doing some math soon. Um, into third, obviously they've not played. They, they could close the gap to six points to Juve. I don't think that gap will get fully closed, but it's interesting that it's talkable about. And Milan Fiorentina are both on 34, and I think they will stay as fourth and fifth, possibly in a different order, who knows. Sassuolo have got 20 points now, which is double what Samp have got at the bottom of that um, survival pool. So that's that's why we're saying that they are surely fine. Not only have they got 20 points, but they just look better. It's seven um, more than Parma as well. Or is it yeah. Parma that are second bottom or is it Como? It's Como. Oh, so it's Co- nine Como more than got Parma, 11. seven more than Parma. Um, yeah, Como have got 11, Parma have got 13, and Parma are on 17. Parma Sassuolo this weekend is going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, that will be actually. Maybe they'll like gift them a win. Who's just... resting at the bottom? Como. Okay. No, 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 they, they were the weekend just gone. Samp. Uh, who is resting? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's Com- it is Samp Como, so Pommy are resting. All right. Good for them. Right. Anything else for you to add? Watch Roma Women. Yeah. Watch all <laughs> of them, to be fair. I mean, oh, oh, that, that resource. I don't know if we meant to say this because that sounds like branding. No one's paying us. But that at a football, um, I mm. used that to watch the. Roma Fiorentina game on Friday night, or at least part of it, which I wouldn't normally be able to do because that is a paid-for resource, and I'm not a man with spare cash. But um, it's free now. I don't know what's happened, but it's it's a free thing now, and you, you can watch much more of Serie A Milan than you previously could without paying money. You used to get one live game on Lasete, and if you're in the UK, it wouldn't always let you watch it. Um, but now there's much more available, so do that. That's great, and they do little highlights packages as well of the games, which is good. Like the the official FIDC Feminile account is good for highlights, to be fair, and quick. Yeah. But it is nice because they have the English commentary. Mm. So that's ATA football for that. Like I say, they're not paying us, but we we can't tell you to (laughs) watch Roma Women and then not not tell you where to do it when it's possible. Um, I think that's all. I think we'll pop this out for free today because yeah, it feels so. like a, a special occasion for the history so for, for people <laughs> if, if anybody is listening to this for the first time we do a weekly women's football podcast on Serie A Feminile and Coppa Italia Feminile whatever is happening in Italian women's football at the time um, it's available for, for patrons on patreon.com 
slash total Italian football. And you just have to sign up for the, the two euro a month tier and, and you can have access to that. There are also five and ten euro tiers available, but you can get it for two euro. And I forget what I was going to say there at the end. But yeah, I'm, I'm often at games. Um, I'm often at games. Well, as often as I can get to a game, I get to a game. I was that one last weekend? I'm going again this weekend. Uh, oh, provided, provided Parma have finished beefing with me. I'm going to try <laughs> to go. If I'm not at the game this weekend, it's not my fault. Um but I do have to work, so it's not a case of me being able to go if, if I don't get accreditation. I need accreditation to get to this, and hopefully Palma have finished fighting with me. But yeah, sign up, follow, listen, and, and read our stuff on total-italianfootball.com because we cover Italian women's football and nobody else does in English, so there you go. Yes, do all of those things. All right, goodbye from me. Say goodbye. I'm off to eat some carbonara in Rome. Mm. I did that last night, but not in Rome. <laughs> Different, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye.